what's going on, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets presented by Prize Fix. I'm your host, Chris Meany. Thanks for taking the time to hang out right here on the Mayo Media Network. If you can smash the like button, as our buddy Pat Mayo loves to say, we would greatly appreciate that. If you have a question, please leave it there in the YouTube section. We'll circle back before puck drop, because as I said on Monday, you just don't know who is going to rest in the NHL. And if you were paying attention to yesterday's game, between the Capitals and the Bruins, there are a lot of people resting. We could be in a similar situation this evening. Just six games on the ice here tonight. And actually, I lied. Five games on the ice here tonight. We got our buddy Neil Parker from FTN, Rotowire, and DraftKings Playbook. He does it all for us. He was fantastic on Monday, so looking forward to breaking down all the games with him on Wednesday and or, you know, for today, of course. And we have playoff matchups. So, We'll talk to Neil about that in a little bit, but it is time for the prize picks play of the day. Follow the link inside the description of this video for a promo code, a 100% first deposit match when you use that promo code over at prizepicks.com. So there's only a handful of options here as of this morning, talking to you guys on a Wednesday morning as the day as we get closer to puck drop, we're going to see, I think a few more players filter in. There'll be some save props and some shot props as well that I think we can attack over at prize picks. But as of now, there's just a handful of players. So Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews are sitting at six. And if you've been paying attention all year, I've said, listen, if, if you ever see McDavid under six, you just take him. So now he's at that six point mark where I'm a little hesitant to take the over on him, but we got there on Monday. We got the over on Couture as well. So let's hope to build on that with a couple other players. But honestly, if McDavid does play here tonight, I have no problem Rolling with him, 33 goals, 102 points now on the season, 31 points over his last 11 games, he had at least two points in 11 of his past 12. So two points will get us to five. If it's a goal and an assist, he'll be right there at 5.5. You get the half a point for a shot, three for a goal and two for an assist. So honestly, he's right there for me if he does suit up and I think he will play, but I'm going to lean with Brady Kachuk at 3.5 and Mark Stone at four. So Kachuk against the Leafs. You know, he's just a volume shooter. He's had eight games against Toronto this season. Hasn't really hit the score sheet uh, all that often against the Leafs, but 34 shots on goal in eight games. That's a solid floor there for the half point for a shot. So if he finds the back of the net, we're definitely there. You're going to get the 3.5 right there. He's going to get a lot of ice time. You got Frederick Anderson between the pipes for the Leafs. He hasn't played since March 19th. He hasn't looked good in the AHL conditioning stint as well. So who knows how sharp he is going to be this evening, but the Leafs do have something to play for, something small. It's called the President's Trophy if they care about that does seem like they're going to be uh, at full health here tonight but I'm going to take the over on Kachuk and then the over on Mark Stone Vegas also has something to play for they have the tough loss against Colorado they need a win here tonight and Colorado for at least one of loss against the Kings in their final two games for them to get that division so doesn't look like Max Pacioretty is going to play tonight but Stone a good matchup here going to get a lot of ice time he's got eight points in eight games against the Sharks six goals uh, over that span as well. And he does have eight points over his last eight games. And we know all about the SJ Sharkies. We've been picking on him all year inside the top 10 in terms of allowing high danger chances, scoring chances, goals against at five and five per 60 minutes. So check out prize picks a little bit later on in the day. Again, I'll circle back with a couple more plays if they do pop up here in the YouTube section. Good luck tonight. All right, let's bring in Neil Parker. Neil, what's up, man? Not a whole lot, Chris. I mean, the season's winding down. I'm a little curious to see if they're going to allow the Canucks to finish out their season or exactly what's going to happen when we'd have uh, 16 teams on a mini buy leading into the playoffs if, if they do. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with all that. But uh, it's nice to see those 
playoff pictures sort of being finalized and the matchups upcoming. And yeah, I mean, let's just uh, rock and roll through these games and uh, make it happen. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, last night was weird. Um, it was tough for me to put in a couple picks over at FTN. It's like, what do you do? I saw everybody rest from Boston. It's like, okay, well, let's let's roll with Jake DeBrusque. Why not? And I had to sweat that one out. I mean, I don't. I've never taken Jake DeBrusque in a shot prop, and I probably never will again unless the entire Bruins team is resting like we saw last night. So, just the five games, Neil, and only four on DraftKings with the early start between the Habs and the Oilers. This game happening at 5 Eastern. So this is a this is an early one uh, and let's get a let's just get after it right off the hop here and we'll, maybe we can talk about some playoff matchups towards the end but uh, this game is meaningless. We have the Habs and the Leafs playing in the first round. It's the first time since 1979 that these two teams are playing in the playoffs. And then the Oilers and the Jets after Winnipeg won last night against Vancouver. So this game, really, there's nothing on the line. Um, Montreal may rest some players. Jake Allen in particular, I don't think is going to suit up for this game. We could see Jeff Petrie uh, maybe take a seat. Tyler Tavoli potentially take a seat. Josh Anderson, I don't expect to play. On the other side, the Oilers, I noticed Connor McDavid looked like he, I mean, I don't, he didn't really suffer an injury, but he was looking at his hand towards the end of the game, and he didn't play in the final minutes once the Canadians tied it up. And then in overtime, he hardly left the ice, and he scored the overtime winner. So this is basically a pick em here uh, between these two teams with the total at 6, 24 and 31 against the spread for Montreal, 29 and 25 for the Oilers. I mean, if Big David plays, it's hard not to play this guy tonight. <laughs> You're going to have to play him in a single showdown, though, Neil. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that I look to right away, and it's been the same thing, and we talked about this on, on Monday, I mean, the Canadians continue to play pretty well at five on five. They generated more shot attempts on Monday. They created more high danger scoring chances on Monday, but ultimately they just fell short to the best player in the world. So uh, I don't see, especially after you highlighted who could be in and who could be out for the Canadians, if McDavid's in the lineup, um, I don't see how he's really going to be slowed down again um, by the by the Canadians. And, and also, it was Dreisaitl and uh, Nugent Hopkins had a good game on Monday, too. So it's a one-two punch that's pretty tough to slow down, especially when you don't have your key cogs going and your best goaltenders in that, maybe your best defenseman sitting out and, 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 and. So uh, not a lot to like from the Canadians from, from my perspective. Um, you know, when Jake Evans and Paul Bryan and Terry Leckinen are your go-to scoring line, <laughs> you got a lot of, get a lot of, a lot of things wrong or not going quite, quite right. So um, yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> you got me in stitches here, man. That was probably the best game ever that Evans Leckinen and Byron played. And honestly, they scored three goals at five and five. Listen to this. This is crazy. It is, it is ludicrous. And I don't think it could ever happen again, but against McDavid. So they played against McDavid uh, 10 minutes and 52 seconds at five and five. The shot attempts were 16 to 11 in favor of Montreal. The shots on goal seven, seven, the high danger chances, five, two in favor of Montreal and three goals um, for the Habs, the expected goals, 72.59% in favor of Montreal. Byron scored, Evan scored, Lekkonen scored. He actually scored twice. He went offside and the other one, it was called back. They actually just dominated the McDavid line at five on five. McDavid was minus three. I was like, what the hell is going on here? 
And maybe just McDavid is just completely jinxed against the Habs. Now, he ended up scoring in overtime, and he had the two points, and he's been fine against Montreal this season. But compared to the other teams in the North, we've talked about this on Monday, and we've talked about it at length throughout this show. There's just something that uh, happens with McDavid against the Canadians where I guess he doesn't get three or four points like he gets in every single night. He's just human, I suppose, against Montreal. But that was the game of um, that trio played unbelievable that night. I don't expect that kind of performance again this evening from them. So you're absolutely dead on. Uh, let's bring in Maddie. If the Habs are resting a bunch of guys here tonight, I mean, you got, you knew I was going to come in with the McDavid two-point night. He's at minus 125. We got it again. I mean, we've gotten this guy in, in 10 of the past 11 two-point nights. Maddie. Minus 125, two-point night, McDavid, like lock it in. I think that's my favorite bet of the night on this game as it is. I mean, if Toffoli does play, do you go back to the shot prop? Because I felt like he's burnt you more than he's been good for you lately, and he's joined my shit list. Yeah, he's kind of joining mine too. Uh, we didn't even get it from Suzuki. Neither of the guys wanted to shoot the puck. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that way. I, I would like to see them give Toffoli a bit of a break. I think we talked about this on Monday. This is like the fifth straight week where they've had four games in a week, Montreal. It's like 24 games in 43 days. Like that stuff is just not done. It's not normal for for that to happen to a team and to play all those games. And they missed a bunch of time with COVID. And it's not normal what's going to happen for the Canucks when Neil sit off the top of the show. Like are they, they going to play? I know they adjusted the schedule, but it's a lot of games here. And it's meaningless games for those two teams and what they've went through. So. I think I'll shy away from most of the shot props in here, but McDavid and Drysaddle for a two-point night uh, seems good to me. Anything to add, Neil? I just want to. What about Cole Caulfield? I mean, he attempted seven shots yeah. on Monday. He's shooting a lot. Um, sometimes there's that sneaky uh, end result that he only registered two shots, but he attempted seven. Right, so you get some unlucky blocks, or you miss the net slightly. You hit the post. Um, so sometimes there can be some value there. Uh, if you dig deeper into those underlying statistics, um, oftentimes that's my go-to when looking at shot props is uh, is trying to find a guy who's had a lot of missed shots of late and just hope that there's some statistical correction there and he's able to register a shot instead of, you know, it being a miss. So seven shot attempts Monday, you know, depending that's on what call. number you get, um, could be some good value there. That's a good call because he won't sit. Like he'll play. Uh, and he'll probably get a lot of ice time. I mean, 1537 in his last game, and that was just three seconds shy of uh, a career high for the guy. <laughs> He's still young, uh, but he has hit over two and a half shots, Neil, in one, two, three, four, five, five games. So he is, yeah. he is, I mean, there's no question. This kid loves to shoot the puck. Uh, he's getting some power play time on that second unit. And I mean, he is tapping his stick for the puck. Like he wants it. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he just, he wants that puck and he's, he's a guy who loves to shoot it. So yeah, that's a great call. I'm not seeing him right now. Uh, north of the border. I have seen him pop up on cool bets, uh, bet three, six, five. He has been on there, but it's taken some time. Uh, so maybe you just want to wait that one out to get closer to puck drop again. That is an early start, but yeah, I kind of just overlooked him. I would take him over probably anyone actually in this game one that i don't know if you were watching the same broadcast as me or recently i think it might have been saturday night leafs and, i think the leafs and canadians played saturday night anyway yeah. they were talking about his dad and how cool caulfield has uh canadian connections anyway they said said his dad was uh was a you know successful player played with some nhlers and stuff growing up and the scoden report was wasn't fond of the passing the puck and uh, you know i mean you can't score goals if you're passing the puck 
That's right. I was watching the broadcast, and I yeah. think like the very next play, he passed it off in the slot. I was like, "Wait, wait, yeah, you beautiful, beautiful yeah. pass." Uh, yeah, it was a just, and I forget who fanned on it, but Josh anyway. Anderson. Yeah, it was a beautiful pass, and it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah it's pretty fun. It was. It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts because he is, man, he's super small. He he's very very small out there, but he does find he finds those soft areas. He does a really good job of that. I've already noticed that in the, in the couple of weeks of watching him play is that he, he gets into open areas and yeah, he really does like to shoot the puck. So it's a great call there. So McDavid, a two point game and Cole Caulfield, if you can find it at two and a half shots, it may even be plus money. I can't imagine that being um, anything worse than like minus 120 or something like that. Minus 125. It goes high as minus 135, 140 for over two and a half shots for Cole Caulfield. So as we transition Leafs and Senators here. So um, we'll save the talk for Montreal and Toronto at the very end in a couple playoff matchups. We'll roll through these games. Toronto and Ottawa here, the Sens plus 165. Man, they're playing some really good hockey, Neil. We have talked a lot about the Senators, <laughs> haven't we, Matt? Like Eric Young didn't join us here on Monday. We had uh, Neil jump in for him. But Eric Young just can't get enough of the Sens. We've had just so much fun betting this hockey team. They're 7-2-1 and one at 49 points, uh, tied with the Flames. So they played three more games than them. They have not been a pushover, Neil. As you know, they played the Canadians, the Flames, and the Leafs. Very tough here this season. Minus 195 for Toronto. Would you lean with the upset here? It does seem like we chatted before. It does seem like the Leafs will be at full health here tonight, here tonight though. Yeah, I think one of the big things with Toronto is is it's the exact same as what we've seen with Vegas, where Vegas isn't able to ice a full team. Toronto's made some transactions. Uh, I believe the salary cap genius is named Brandon Pittum or whatever his name is, but he's got things under control there. So the Leafs actually, you know, transferred Zach Hyman to long-term injury relief, and they've got uh, that opportunity to ice a full team. So I suspect they will. Um, and I don't think there's any reason to rest guys. Uh, Matthew seems to be over the wrist injury that was sort of haunting him. So I definitely like Toronto. I know that there's obviously a lot of, uh, uh, let, let's call it, there's some things up in the air with Frederick Anderson, right? I mean, we're not sure. Like you mentioned, March 19th, his six starts before finally being shut down with that lower body injury. He had an 862 save percentage and 384 uh, goals against average with just one win in those six starts. So like you said, didn't play well in the AHL, but I'm not going to rush to the window to put any of my hard-earned dollars on the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, will you? <laughs> so I gave out the Senators on uh, last Saturday for my Sunday best bet when the team was 8-1-1 one, one over their last 10 and given up only 1.6 goals per game while scoring 3.4. Yeah, it made me look like a dumbass. Uh, I'm not betting the Sens. I did it once publicly, and I won't do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I probably won't either as much as we pick them quite often on this show. They've been good to us, man. They've been plus 180, plus 220 multiple times. They were plus 255 one night where they just shut out the Habs. Uh, they have they have been decent to us. I, I would consider maybe them on the puck line not to lose by two against the Leafs. But like Neil said, uh, full health, all systems go. You know that they're going to want to play for Frederick Anderson too, Neil. Like we can laugh about that narrative all we want, but they're they're going to want to show up for Anderson and maybe get a win for him tonight. Austin Matthews has cleared three and a half shots in nine straight games. You're right. The wrist does look healthy. 
And over his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games against the the Sens, he's coming in here with a, a seven-game point streak against Ottawa. There's only one game this season where he hasn't had a point against the Sens. It came earlier in the year. He was actually a minus three in that hockey game and only had three shots. Uh, but that's all out the window, man, because he's got five, six, seven, eight, nine goals over this seven-game run, and he's got four, five, six, ten. 13, 14, 15, 16 points doing it on the fly, of course. Um, 16 points over a current seven-game point streak. He's in play for a two-point night as well, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at a, you know, if you're going all in, looking for sort of a contrarian stack at DraftKings, I kind of look at the uh, Leafs' number one power play unit. Uh, Ottawa's a middle-of-the-road penalty kill team, definitely, but the Leafs have finally, well, Sheldon Keefe is finally committed to having a stacked number one unit. I am always in favor of putting your five best players on the ice at the same time and trying to score goals when you are up a man and up a man. And I don't know why there's so many coaches who like to try to balance the two units, but the Leafs do have uh, Marners Matthews, uh, Nylander and Tavares going. Nylander, seven game point streak since he's returned from COVID protocol. Uh, Tavares, 21 points through his past 17 games. We've got the Mariners and Matthews combo that's been absolutely dominant. So you can actually fit all four of those forwards in, have exposure to both of Toronto's top two lines, and still ice a semi-competitive uh, lineup around them. Uh, and the only thing I'm going to add to that, Chris, is the Leafs have the second lowest shooting percentage, power play shooting percentage, 4.4 shooting percentage with the man advantage through their past 25 games. And the only team worse is the Anaheim Ducks. I actually take that as something that's obviously going to correct itself moving forward. And I really like that Toronto gets things going with the man advantage heading into the playoffs, because that's obviously, as we know, really important, um, really important to playoff games and can really swing momentum in games. And Toronto has the star power, has the firepower, has the offensive talent in those four players to um, climb up the, uh, the leaderboard in power play percentage in the playoffs, considering how poorly they've done of late. That's a good call because we've been wondering what the hell is going on with the power play. I mean, they have so much skill and part of it, I think was what you alluded to off the top is just um, balancing it out between two units, but why? Why do that? Why not just put them all on the ice and score the damn goal right away? Uh, because there's so much skill and so much talent. I think it was only a matter of time before they turn it around. Uh, yeah, a Canadians fans should be pretty nervous about the Leafs power play, even though it has struggled here over the past couple months. You don't want to be giving that team opportunities because, like I said, it's only a matter of time before those pucks start to, you know, find the back of the net. So yeah, it's a good call. I mean, I was looking to and on how to fit those guys in. And, you know, you've been writing for DK Sportsbook. You've been writing for Rotowire. You've been writing daily game by game previews for us over at FTNDaily.com. And I just feel like Tavares and William Nylander on DraftKings and FanDuel, more particular DraftKings, these guys have been underpriced all year, Neil. Like again, yeah, and you can six three Matthews or Marner or Nylander is five three. What the hell is yeah. going on there? Yeah, they're definitely underpriced in my opinion. It's considering how well they played, and and you know Galchenyuk really now has something to prove too. So what I like about that power play stack is that you're kind of all in, but you do get exposure to both of the top two lines at even strength as well. And you know to go for a one line stack, you got to add Joe Thornton. Great, we love Joe Thornton. Yes, he brings the cap hit down a bit, um, but 
he's not, I'm not really confident that he's going to continue to put points on the board. And then Galchenyuk's been hit or miss. Uh, he's got a lot to prove, a lot of motivation for him right now because he could be watching games from the press box uh, come game one of the playoffs. If So he really needs to put forth a, a big game. So I could see that uh, very affordable Tavares, Nylander, Galchenyuk stack. And they've been extremely dangerous. I mean, Galchenyuk for everything you can say about him over the last four or five years, he has been dangerous offensively for the Toronto Maple Leafs since getting into a top six role. The only other thing I'm going to say about him is that, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, they've pinpointed him for poor defensive coverage and back checking and stuff. But sometimes I think it's just not quite being 100% familiar with their uh, defensive coverage um, and their defensive strategies for the Leafs. There's been a couple of times where he's looked over to Tavares thinking Tavares should take the back or should be the first back checker. And the next thing you know, Tavares isn't. And so he, then he's busting across. I've seen that two or three times. So I really think that Galchenyuk can cement himself into a top six role going to the playoffs and, and have an impact for the Leafs. Yeah, you know, the games that I've watched, I've been impressed with the Galchenyuk. He looks like the Galchenyuk of old with the Canadians when he came onto the scene as an 18-year-old kid. And got to remember, this guy had a 30-goal season before he even turned 21 uh, and a 20-goal season before he even turned 20. So there's no question he can score. And that's just been the knock on him, Neil. A lot of people like to pick on his defensive play and where he is and maybe some of the penalties that he takes. I know he's taken a couple of them as well over the past couple of days. But the effort is has been there. And that's one thing people can knock on him too. But I've seen it. I've seen him, um, you know, back check, first guy back, uh, trying not to turn the puck over and making sure, uh, you know, that pucks get out of their zone. So I'm, you know, like I said before, Matt, bring you into what do you think about Galchenyuk? And, you know, I've said this before, this is a kid that I'm rooting for, man. This feels like his last opportunity in, a, in the NHL and it's, he's in a good spot to succeed. Galchenyuk's looked smart on the ice, I think is the best way to put it. He hasn't put himself out there to try and be like a one-man highlight reel or anything like that. He knows his role, and like you said, he knows this is like his last chance to do anything. So he's willing to just park his ass in front of the net if that's what it takes. Or he's willing to just set up plays instead of being the superhero that has to put the puck in the net. I think this comes with a lot of just like self-realization for Galchenyuk to the point that you made of, oh shit, I better do something here because if this is it, if I can't stick on with the potent forwards that the Maple Leafs have, no one's going to give me a shot. Yeah, because Nick Foligno um, is a game-time decision. He could return. Zach Hyman is close to playing as well. So does that mean Hyman goes to the third line? Does he go back up? Does Foligno play in the third line? Because he was playing kind of in Hyman's role. So there's a, you know, a couple moving pieces. But I think the, the bottom line, Neil, is what you talked about, is that the effort and playing for something and wanting to play against his former team in the first round, all those things are certainly going to play. So uh, I think we'll see um, another former team tonight against the Sens for a minute he played there. Yeah. I think we'll see um, full effort from him tonight. But Austin Matthews is plus 165 for a 2.9 people. That one I like. Sign me up. Okay, let's move on from the Leafs. <clears throat> Enough, guys. Vegas and San Jose. Got the Sharks at home, plus 170. The Golden Knights, minus 200. The total here is at six. As I said off the top, there is something to play for here for Vegas, but Colorado um, holds their own fate. Uh, if they win out, the West is theirs. It doesn't matter what Vegas does. Um, so they hold the tiebreaker there. So Vegas, 55 games. This is their final game of the season. San Jose's final game of the season as well. The Sharks, 3-5-2 in their last 10. Vegas, 7-3-1. and one. So they win this, 
and Colorado finds a way or LA finds a way to get, I don't know, one of possible four points in the final two games here, then it will be their division. So I expect Vegas to be full go too. But Neil, they were completely shorthanded in the last game. And I thought that they really took it to Colorado. They probably should have won that game on Monday. Yeah. And, and obviously as we talked Monday in this show, now Vegas comes back with their superior goalie, right? So, or in our opinion, um, Mark Andre Fleury's won eight straight, uh, 1.64 goals against during that stretch, nine, um, excuse me, a 938 save percentage. Right. So he's been awesome. Yeah. And, and one thing I do like, and this goes to daily contests too, is that the Sharks, you know, they generate offense, they attack, they shoot the puck a lot. So that should help uh, Fleury's saves and, and saves add fantasy points up quicker than anything, really. So some, something to look at there with Fleury. I think he's a strong play in DFS, regardless if uh, the Golden Knights are a little shorthanded. We'll see how it all falls into place tonight. But the Sharks have nothing to play for. And the Golden Knights, as you mentioned, do. And they've got Fleury in net, eight straight wins. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning heavy to the, uh, the golden Knights and happy to, to back flurry in uh, DFS contests. Yeah. And he's only eight K. I mean, Grubauer is eight, five uh, Anderson is eight, one. So it's not like you're, you have to spend a pretty penny on flurry. And I agree. We all agree here that flurry is the guy we expect him to be the guy. And as you brought up Monday, a, a f- fantastic question is, are they going to go game for game? It remains to be seen. I don't think that they should, but we'll see. We'll wait that one out. Uh, yeah, Vegas has had a lot of success against San Jose this season. They're coming off a 5-2 win. They had a 3-2 a shootout win. Um, they had a 5-4 win, a 2-1 win. So they have won um, five straight games against them. Most three of the five have been puck line games. Matt, you're a puck line game. Got a guy, got to bring you in. Vegas puck line, or are you concerned? Uh, no, the, I, I'm all in on Vegas tonight. I think this is my bet of the night in terms of just they should win, but knowing me and they should win calls, they won't win. Uh, puck line is what I'll go for here. Minus 200, I don't really want it, but uh, on the puck line, I don't have the lines in front of me is what I'll be dabbling in. I, I think, like you guys said, Flurry is the guy into the playoffs and it's not even close. However, in DFS, I do expect him to be the chalkiest goaltender uh, just based on his price compared to guys like um, Grubauer and Freddie Anderson at 8-1. Although I don't think anyone's going to play Freddie, but I, I think every single person is going to play Flurry tonight. Yeah, Anderson, so that sets up – sorry, I was going to say no, that sets ahead. up as a great pivot, right, then? Like if you want to pivot to Anderson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anderson makes for an inter- – I think he's an interesting tournament option because of how hot the Sens have been and, and Anderson hasn't played in a while and it's – it's well-documented really what uh, his struggles before the injury. And if you're living anywhere close to Toronto or North of the border, you know um, all about the struggles. And then even in the the conditioning stint there as well. So yeah, I think he probably will be chalky, but I I just don't, I don't think it really matters. Um, You know, in goal, it's fine, I think. Uh, But yeah, puck, puck line for Vegas. I saw some scene free parlay calculator over at ftmbets.com plus 120 so it's not bad can definitely get behind that one uh we can move on here if patch ready does find a way to play uh, i'd feel good about a two-point night for for mark stone he's plus money as well for a two-point night but i'd like to see patches uh back in the lineup but from a shot prop standpoint all these guys hit for us 
on Monday. We mentioned Marsha, so I think we mentioned Theodore. I don't know if we put him in there and, and at the end, but we had Theodore, Tuck, and Marsha, so over at FTN Bets. All those guys are t- at two and a half. Uh, man, Neil, what do you think about Alex Tuck, man? One of the best third-line players in the league. Yeah, I know that you're a big fan of him, and I just think that he's, you know, solid. Um, the one thing that I find really odd, and I don't know why it is, but, like, when we see him jump up into the lineup, into the top six, it's like, you know, he'll get, like, a three-game trial because someone's injured, and he'll yeah. score one game and then have two blanks, right? Like, it's yeah. weird that he doesn't, like, I don't know if it's because he's facing softer on-ice matchups down the lineup, but just feels like and, and I could be totally wrong this is just based on my observation over the last couple of years when he does get promoted into that top six role that he doesn't actually cash in on his opportunities um, I really like Tuck and one of the things that I kind of forgot um, but you just reminded me when we were kind of discussing Mark Stone off air is that I think it was Marsha Show that played most of uh, the five on five minutes with Stone and Stevenson on Monday night so that's really not a big downgrade as I originally suspected um, because they did switch up their lines. So uh, Stone, Marsha Show, Stevenson isn't as as dire as, as I kind of thought uh, it might be because rarely do the Golden Knights break up um, William Carlson, Riley Smith, and Jonathan Marsha Show. But back to talk, I mean, he's, yeah, like he gets things done down the lineup and um, he's always an affordable DFS option. And I know that you've gone to his shot props a lot over um, the past couple, the past uh, couple months. So um, yeah. Yeah. He's been plus money. Um, You sitting here, he's, he's not on the board yet, but he'll show up later. I think they're just, they'll probably just wait on, on Pacioretty or whatnot. No, I've noticed that too. When he gets into, I've had this conversation before. Well, this is bringing Mike Omel on. Uh, oh, Mikey. Oh, Mikey o. He's, uh, he's a big Vegas guy late at night. Uh, he likes to watch <laughs> the old nights. And he said, he said the same thing. We, we were talking about Tuckman, I mean, like we want him to get into a top six role, but yet when he gets into that role, it doesn't seem like he has the same sort of success. And that's weird. It's, it may have something to do with what you said. Uh, the matchups are not as soft and, you know, maybe he's, he's definitely just the trigger guy on that line. There was a, there was a moment where I saw him play with, um, he took Pacioretty's spot and Stone was trying to feed him the puck the same sort of way, but it's like Tuck was trying to give it back to him. But yet you know, <laughs> when he's on the third line, he's the guy, he's yeah. the guy with the puck on his stick and he's shooting. But I'd like, I'd like to march so on that top line, as opposed to Yanmark, right? Like put Marsha so there and get him going. Uh, he's got uh, nine shots in his past two games and he's cleared two and a half shots in three of his past four, but Tuck has 10 shots in his past two games. He's a guy that I like a lot. And then Theodore, um, if I had to choose one, it would be Marcia. So, uh, but I think all three are definitely in play. It's just too bad. You can't parlay them all. You can just take them as singles or mix and match if you want to, but uh, there's no question. Marcia is in play, but he's just going to be, just let me check quick time. I think he's, he's going to be, probably like minus 160 yeah he's minus 167 so you're just going to get better odds with tuck um and better odds with theodore you could probably get tuck at plus money okay theodore uh theodore just recently uh leapfrogged dougie hamilton for shot attempts for 60 minutes to lead all regular defensemen like he's uh quietly just an absolute locked in power play stud like he's i can't believe like anaheim let Man. They let Theodore go to keep everyone else. Like it's just, anyway. I mean, we don't we don't need to get too deep into that one, but uh, only because Matt, we had this conversation like five days ago, didn't we? Yeah, it was just like if you look back on it now, it's very confusing how you let them do that or how they did that to themselves. 
Botnin, Manson. Yeah, they just like, no, Fowler, no, we want to keep these guys. You guys just leave them for us and you can have Shea Theodore. He was one of my favorite defensemen in the entire league. I love the way he moves the puck. Uh, he skates so well. He's got such a great offensive mind. He played 29 minutes the other night against the Avs, uh, 26th a couple nights before against the Blues. I know they were shorthanded, but 29 minutes. And he was just on the ice for like the final five minutes, and it didn't even look like he was tired at all. But, yeah, he's cleared three. He's cleared two and a half shots in five of his past six games. So I, I definitely think that he's in play. Yeah. I, you know, we should do another – I know we did this before years ago. We, I think we did a show together where we tried to – guess who would be on Vegas's team yeah you know, we were right about some Probably. things we were completely yeah. wrong about a lot yeah just like here you go here's here's Marsh's own Riley Smith here's William Carlson here's Alex Tuck Tuck is a, Tuck is another one Minnesota was protecting yeah. all their players here's Tuck just just take them and Theodore's yeah. another one I'd imagine some teams are going to learn from that lesson when Seattle um, goes to do their expansion draft, but I would at the same time, there's probably they're probably going to get a few decent players because um, of teams protecting certain guys that they maybe misjudge. So it'll be interesting to see that. I can't wait for that to to all go down. Uh, next game in here, St. Louis and Minnesota, the Blues at home. So nothing here on the line. Uh, I suppose Minnesota can get uh, that number two spot in the West, but I don't expect the Avs to lose two games. Uh, to LA. So Minnesota minus 114 and LA or St. Louis here minus 103, the total at six. Um, and I don't really have a strong feel here. This could be another situation where maybe Kaprizov takes a seat, maybe Riley uh, O'Reilly takes a seat. Uh, it, it's tough, but Kaprizov, if he does play, this guy's just been so good to us in terms of shot props. Um, he's been automatic now for the past two months. I'd like to say uh, he would be the guy that I'd like to, to plug in there, but you know, we'll let you take it away. Do you have a feel here between the wild and the blues? No. And it's sort of been that way all year with these two teams. Like we've seen the wild go on some amazing stretches, but then I look at their depth chart and I'm just kind of like, really? Like I, know. I, I can't, I can't get too excited about these fellows, you know, like I get Kaprizov's been, you know, sort of almost electric, right? Like he's been a dynamic scorer and highlight real player. But at the end of the day, I'm not confident that against a top defense unit and a shutdown forward line that he's going to get it done. Right. And, and I would have to think that the, St. Louis Blues would try to counter with Ryan O'Reilly. Um, so, yeah, it's tough to get a feel. And, and the Blues, we talked about this on Monday. It's just been – they've been injured all year. Their lineup is never the same. They're mixing and matching here, there, and everywhere. At one point last week, um, I was kind of intrigued by the uh, Mike Hoffman, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo line. Um, almost – for the first half of the season, Cairo was leading the team uh, in points for 60 minutes or right up there in points for 60 minutes, but he couldn't consistently play in the top six. Just a lot of frustrating lineup decisions and then add the injuries on top for the Blues and they're really hard to project. Um, looks like Tory Krug's back, obviously. So uh, I'm just waiting for him to find his form quarterback in that number one power play unit. Um, yeah, it's it. There's they just have been so inconsistent, almost both teams, that it's hard to uh, really lock in and um, and and target them in DFS. Uh, the only other thing I'll just add before I turn it back to to you or, or Matt, Chris, is you know it's really disappointing to see Matt Dumba not um, 
jump up into that sort of near elite or elite fantasy production and uh because it looked like that before his his sort of season ending injury a couple years ago uh he was just just on the verge of becoming a dominant force and it just hasn't uh hasn't quite progressed the way i sort of expected yeah i would agree with that um last year was disappointing and and this season too i mean he does have a few points lately but that's it like he's been he's been underwhelming and i've noticed jared spurgeon has just taken that that leap forward um spurgeon has points in four five six seven of his past nine games he's been um a strong player on the blue line he's blocking some shots he's got seven blocks in his past three games uh not a ton of power play points he only has two power play points over this run but he is getting a lot of points so those points that i thought dumba would get the production from dumba it seems like it's it's jared spurgeon uh who's getting all that production so he would be the guy if you are looking for uh, maybe a defenseman from this game, but I, you know, I, I don't actually see a lot of goals, um, man. Cam Talbot has been awesome so far this season. He's locked in. He's going to get this start. He's got a two, five, nine goals against average and a nine, one, six save percentage. He's got two shutouts. I know that the blues have played to a lot of overs um, maybe because of just uncertainty with their lines, not getting the same sort of goaltending from Bennington. And then again, what we said so many times, and I hate to even bring it up is it's just Petrangelo away from this team, but maybe some guys rest here. Maybe they just kind of mail it in just similar to last night's game between Washington and Boston. It just, that was a very, very tough game to watch. And believe me, I watched a little bit of it. Um, So maybe we just see the under hit. That's kind of my lean under six, Matt, do you have a feel? I mean, these two teams have been tough, right? We, I think we all agree that Minnesota is slightly overrated. We love Kaprizov and that the Blues are just a complete mess. You just don't know what to expect. It just feels weird because Minnesota can play Vegas real tight. But when they go to other teams, like, I just, I don't know what to bet on them. Minnesota has been a team that I haven't bet on for a money line unless they're playing the Ducks, unless they're playing the Kings or something like that. It's even not, then, it's a sweat job. It is. And, like, even then, I don't have the stones to play them, like, against a blues team in the middle of the season when the blues are struggling, just because I I don't have a read on this wild team, even going into the playoffs props. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. We had a bunch of guys on there that were automatic because the lines were just wrong, whether it's one and a half shots um, on our guy, or if it's two and a half shots at plus money for Kaprizov, it just felt like the props were always set wrong, but the lines were always set right to the point where huh, I don't know what to do. And like you guys are saying, it feels like they're a little overrated, but they're a fantasy shot prop darling team. And and they are going to be a tough out as much as we're, we're talking about them being slightly overrated. I mean, they're not going to get that game at home. They're just such a complete different. I mean, they're 21, five and two at home. They're, they're so dominant at, uh, on home ice. Um, Man, I got to get to a game of mini. I love the atmosphere there. I like that horn. Um, but yeah, they're going to be, they're still going to be a tough out whether they play Colorado or they play Vegas. I, I have a lean to the under. I don't even want to tell you the last five games, four of them have gone over pretty easily. <laughs> there was a 9 1 win in there for, um, for Minnesota against St. Louis. So a lot of the games have gone over between these two teams, but I just have this feel. Under six, uh, I don't think Talbot lets in a couple. And I watched the Blues play the Kings the other night, Neil, and it was just such a let's get to the red line and dump it in. Let's get to the red line and dump it in. It was almost like they just were, were locked into a playoff spot now. Forget these two games. Let's just get through them. And I wonder if that has the same sort of feel tonight. So 
Well, is there really any, like, there's a little bit of a pre-existing division rivalry there, but at the end of the day, like we've seen throughout the course of the season, even um, I can remember watching Toronto and Calgary games where it's just like, there is no interest in this game. Like, you know, oh, I missed the pass. Oh, well, turn around and change. Whoops, there you go. Okay, all right. Well, okay, la-di-da, head to the bench. Like, you know, like there's just, it happens. And I mean, especially, I think it's it, it ha- has happened a few more times for teams and in games where there's just that lack of compete level and, and disinterest because they're playing so much hockey in such a short time frame, right? So you're going to mail, like, let's say, every team on a regular 82 scheme schedule mails it in 10 times a year. Right. I mean, that's realistic. Yep. 10 times a year, they just mail it in and they're done. So now it's a shortened season. Anyway, there's, there's really not a lot to play for. I can't, you know, I could definitely see this being a lackluster sort of a three, two game. And there you get your under. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I should have hammered home this point on Monday is that with these teams, with these players resting and, and not a lot to play for and, just a lot of uncertainty when it's so tough to bet hockey and pick sides anyways, that shot props just seem like the way to go. And even if Ryan O'Reilly does play in a great defensive forward, Kaprizov's hit the over two and a half shots in 12 straight games here. Uh, so let's just, let's make it a lucky 13 to round out the season and, and help pay the bills here. But I think the Calder is locked up. Does a kid want to play? Sure. He wants to play, but if you're Minnesota too, like, we need you. If we're going to pull off the upset, we need you. Maybe we want to take a seat. So keep an eye on that as we get closer to puck drop. The final game here is Colorado and LA. Um, I mean, Colorado's minus 360 here. There's been some ludicrous spreads here uh, this season with just these mismatches on paper. 21 and 33 against the spread for the Avs. The total here is 5.5 plus 295 for LA. Uh, if Grubauer plays and own imagine I don't I can't see the Kings getting to two goals past two goals Grubauer's has just been so rock solid uh, they need these games as we talked about earlier Colorado has a chance here to get this division they want the division there's no question these kids will be uh, all systems go here against LA this evening the Kings have given them a, a bit of a tough time in terms of just like bottling up the neutral zone there was a couple of games there I watched this season where Colorado couldn't really find uh, anything offensively and give LA a lot of credit there as well but uh, this does seem like, you know, like a 4-1 potential win for the Avs. I mean, if you're going to do it, I think it's puck line. I'm not going to get behind the Kings. Is this even on your card here, Neil, with the these odds being so crazy? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think there's much value, right? No. Um, especially if, you know, I mean, they play the game for a reason. Upsets happen every single night in every sport. So, you know, like what's the, the advantage to, you know, I don't know. I, I don't I just don't that's my personal approach I don't look for that big of a home favor or sorry if I think they are at home too aren't they yeah they're at yeah, home I don't look at those favorites. yeah like I don't look at those favorites because I don't I think there's they're exaggerated lines to begin with the probability doesn't actually line up um and because you know oftentimes the public loves to parlay favorites it gets even more um beat up the line does right so you're even further away from the expected uh winning percentage um just because of how heavy people do bet favorites uh with all that being said obviously we're we'd have to lean towards the avalanche just a sneaky dfs play that sort of popped up uh during my morning round through the uh through the prices is alex Newhook. um yeah nice obviously he had a great world junior tournament for the for team canada he's playing on the second line with 
Kadri and Andre Burakovsky. And, uh, you know, he's got three assists through four games, uh, two assists game last time out. And the only thing I will add to that is that he didn't receive power play time Monday and he's a low shot volume guy, 11 attempts and only, uh, how many did he register? three shots. So 11 attempts and three shots through four games. So not a ton of uh, fantasy floor there. I don't imagine you'd find him in a shot prop, Chris, but maybe. Um, and anyway, low price flyer for, uh, for DFS top six role and obviously very talented should get a good look um, because he could be a candidate to remain in a top six role for the avalanche in the playoffs. So I definitely like to point out him. Yeah, he hasn't looked out of place. Uh, he was 2-5. When he made his debut, he wasn't on DraftKings, I noticed. But then the very next uh, game that he played, he was 2-5, and he's sitting there at 2-7. So, yeah, great call out by you. I was going to bring him up as well, yeah, fresh off the, the two-point game. And like I said, he doesn't look out of place, man, and he's getting an opportunity here in that top six um, to skate with some decent players in Kadri and Burakovsky. I don't see him on uh, shot prop unfortunately uh i do see Rannon and mckinnon but they are just completely juiced three and a half shots for mckinnon is minus 200 no thanks so the last four games colorado has beaten la but they have been tight two nothing four one three two three two those those three two games were recently so like i said you got to give the kings some credit here for hanging around with this abs team. So it may give you a little bit of pause on the puck line, but I think I'm going to get behind it. I could see like a, like a, like I said, a four, one victory here. Maybe you sweat it out a three, one, maybe we get that empty net and we get that cushion there uh, for the two goal win. So I will lean with the abs, but I think it's a two point night for some of these guys. We mentioned McDavid, a two point night minus minus one twenty. Awesome. Matthews, a two point night plus one sixty five. McKinnon, a two point night plus one twenty. Ranton at a two point night is plus. has dominated the Kings uh, all year long in terms of possession numbers and shot attempts. And they've had a lot of opportunities against LA. So that, that will do it, man. Those are, those are the games. Those are the ones um, the playoff matchups are set. I uh, wanted to get your guys' thoughts since you guys are, um, you know, big leaf guys, Habs and Leafs 1979. I was just having some fun and taking a look at the year 1979 guys. So ESPN launched broadcast we're all familiar with espn pink floyd released the wall i'm sure we're all familiar with that album sony walkman was introduced and it was going for 200 bucks a pop the average month cost of rent 280 slightly more than the cost of a walkman kramer versus kramer the number one movie my sharona from the knack the number one song seattle supersonics nba champs the pittsburgh pirates world series champs and the habs and the leafs the last time that those two teams played each other in the playoffs and also a little nugget every time that they have played each other in the playoffs one of the two has gone on to win the Stanley Cup and I think the Leafs have a better shot at doing it than the Habs (laughs) Neil what do you think of this series man it's gonna be fun to watch I mean I've I've never seen it in my lifetime no obviously I haven't either I think we uh, got robbed of it in 93 93 yeah so anyway I can uh I'm old enough to remember that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, I'm pretty optimistic about the Leafs chances to come out of the North division uh, just because of their success against uh, Edmonton earlier this season. Um, And because 
of their depth, uh, the supporting cast who are fighting for that sixth defense spot, a spot on the fourth line. Um, they're NHL players, um, you know, to, to have the luxury of having Ben Hutton sitting there and Rasmus Sundin and Zach Bogosian hopefully back and Dermot's played enough over the last few years. Like that's a really, did I just list four guys for two spots? Yeah. I think I did maybe five guys, right? So that's a, that's a really nice luxury um, for Toronto that I think enables them to have and to make a deep uh, playoff run. I, I don't know what's going on with the, with the Habs. I think that expectation sort of elevated because of their early season success. I've said it Monday. I said it earlier. They are playing well five on five um, just by controlling possession and driving possession. But sometimes I, I wonder if that's more just because they're shooting the puck a lot and attempting a lot of shots versus really, you know, generating high danger and, and quality chances. Right. Um, and I know that they do, they have generated a lot of uh, high danger chances. They're seventh at five on five in the, uh, in the league. So that's obviously excellent. Um, but Toronto second, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I don't think that barring some notable collapse in net and I think that is the biggest question mark for Toronto but similar to their forward core and their defense court they got three goalies who have notable NHL experience so even if it comes down to David Riddick uh, I think they can beat the Habs with him I don't think they can beat Edmonton with Riddick but we'll see yeah, uh, goaltending is the the one question. The Habs have been a strong five and five team for years. Um, they were inside the top top five in all the categories, the high danger categories, the shot attempts, you know, controlling the puck, uh, shots on goal. It was just them in Vegas last year. Out of all the teams and twenty four teams to to play in the bubble, they were the only two that were inside those top top five and just you know those metrics that we like to look at and that we talk about a lot on this show and they have been this season, but the goals have dried up. And since March 1st, 1.99 goals, four per 60 at five and five, that is the fifth worst mark in the league. So the offense has dried up. I, I think they're going to get a little healthy at the time of these two teams playing, but it's going to be tough for them. So Colorado sitting here today, plus 450. We'll do a preview show here. So we won't spend too much time, but plus 450 Colorado, uh, Vegas plus 550, and then Toronto 6-1, to Carolina 7-1, to Lightning 8-1, to and Boston to round it out at 10-1. to uh, Matt, we'll get your thoughts on Leafs and Habs. This is cool, man. It's a good, it's a, it's a neat storyline. We haven't seen it in forever. These are two storied franchises. I think this is going to be a, a fun and entertaining series. I give the edge, of course, to Toronto, but I think it's going to be entertaining hockey. Yeah, it's going to be probably the most entertaining round of hockey out of all the matchups that are going on. I mean, another notable one that'll be fun will be Florida and Tampa, but I think First this time one ever is. For those two teams. Yeah, I think yeah. this one is just historically fun. Uh, like you said, I wasn't alive for any of that stuff. I mean, I like all that stuff, but I was clearly not alive, and I was one year old in 19. 19- no, I was dead. I was not alive. I don't even know how old I am at this point. Um, Didn't even get to see the Habs win the Cup in 93. No, so. no, I got the Rangers is what I got to see in 94. Um, the one thing I will say about these Leafs is the addition of Joe Thornton and especially the addition of Nick Foligno is what makes me way more confident this year and not blindly optimistic compared to years past because the Leafs play in the playoffs has been criticized openly by other teams, including Nick Foligno, just about how soft they are. Like once you get 
in behind him. You can do basically whatever you want with him. Having Nick Felino play at the level that Felino always plays, that grit, that grind, and having Zach Hyman back for the playoffs will just be incredible for this team. Uh, however, Neil, don't speak David Riddick into existence here. We don't want this for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. There's a lot of goalies that I'd love to see start for the Leafs in the playoffs, but you're right. I think against Montreal, Riddick could win, but man, if he has to start against Edmonton, no I don't want that at all. Let's just not have that anywhere ever, please. Big save, Dave. Let's go. <laughs> I can't believe they even called him that in Calgary. Yeah. Make too many big saves. Um, Matt, are you even old enough to, re- like, have you seen the Leafs win a playoff round? Shh. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Um, we'll, do a pre- we'll do a playoff preview show here when we get closer to it all. Of course, we'll cover a lot of it over at FTN as well. If you're looking to be uh, part of the, the FTN fam, Use that promo code Mayo or Meany. We'll be given picks, as I mentioned, uh, all the way until that Stanley Cup is raised. We'll have some betting previews for every single round as well as we'll be giving out shot props and all that stuff throughout the entire postseason. Uh, if you guys have been following along in the show, I had Vegas and Colorado as futures. One of those teams are going to get bounced uh, early, unfortunately, but at the same time, one of them, a uh, pretty good shot to make it to the third round. Also, we have futures on this show from Carolina at 14 to 1. I think maybe I may have to hedge with the Leafs because I believe that they have the easiest path to the third round, even if they do have to play Connor McDavid and the Oilers in here next. So anything to add, Neil, from a DraftKings standpoint? I know we went over it. It's just the four-game slate here today. Maybe to get unique would be to attack that second line in Toronto. You mentioned the power play. You can get in that power play and maybe take some value with Newark, uh, some Colorado guys in there. Uh, potentially, I think I would stay away from Minnesota and St. Louis. I think I think that could be an under. Uh, but maybe the game to attack really is just a game stack. The Leafs and the Sands. I think we could see some offense there. Yeah, for sure. Batherson, Drake's only four uh, four. Um, you know, he's playing on the top line, top power play unit with Tichuk and uh, Josh Norris. So I definitely always like to support my boy Drake and. You know, he's uh, he's having a heck of a season and he showed up against the Leafs this year a few times. He showed up against a lot of teams uh, yeah. this year. Will you hit the links with Drake in the summer? Yeah, once. Yeah, hopefully this summer we'll see him at the course. But uh, the big thing I think that is he's that boomer bust type guy. So it keeps his salary low. But, mm. you know, he's had a number of multi-point games. I'll like total him up here. Yeah, he's had 10 multi-point games this season. So the upside is obviously there to with anyone it's just that there is that sort of lower floor but he hasn't played in top line role all year either so you know if the if the least mail it in if freddie's not good not sharp then i could see that top line for ottawa making making a difference and uh and he's obviously a great price at 4-4 17 goals and 34 points in 55 games for drake batherson a hell of a season for him okay uh matt what do you got from uh monday's show how'd we do all right, for the final live show for fantasy hockey picks and bets in terms of just giving out bets and all that fun stuff, you went four and three. Uh, Edmonton money line hit. Uh, Carolina money line missed. Edmonton under uh, missed. We've got the Blues money line you got. The New York Islanders and the Bruins under hit. The under in Winnipeg hit. And the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Florida over did not. Four and three, like I said. 151 and 113 is your record to end the show here uh shot props we only started those what about a third of the way into the season i think we started tracking them 
but we were giving them out all year long. Uh, four and one to end it. Kyle Connor hit for you. Tyler freaking Toffoli missed. Uh, Bennett was a scratch. Robertson, Marchessault, Couturier all hit for you. Four and one, 87 and 53 on the shot props. Nice. We're at 60 units over at FTN for just props alone. It's been a fun year when it comes to shot props. And again, guys, if you are going to be making some bets here tonight, just check out this channel here on Mayo Media Network, this video, just before puck drop. I don't know if anyone caught, but I jumped in there and I said, do not bet Carolina when I saw they were going to rest their entire defensive squad against Nashville and just hang Peter Morazic out to dry, which guys makes me think a conversation for another day. I think Nadelkovich could be that game one starter. I definitely think that he should be the game one starter. I think we're going to see him throughout the playoffs. Carolina makes the run, Uh, but keep an eye on these guys that are going to sit when we're given these picks. But as of now, Toronto, Edmonton, Vegas by two, Colorado by two, and then St. Louis and Minnesota under. It does seem a little chalky there, but um, some of those teams have something to play for. Uh, And then I really do feel like Montreal will be resting some players tonight um, and Colorado and Vegas, I think, will just bring it. But I think it is a shot prop night. I said this before a few times. When these guys are just playing, I think there's just more security for your money, your hard-earned dollars. Uh, Matthews, three and a half shots, yes. Um, Marcheseau, over two and a half shots, or Tuck, whatever way you want to go. Both of those guys are completely in play. Kaprizov, over two and a half shots as well. McDavid a two-point night. Matthews a two-point night. And McKinnon a two-point night. Matthews plus 165 for two-point night. It's unbelievable. 16 points over a current seven-game point streak against the Sens. And then McKinnon plus 120. He'd be my least favorite. I would go McDavid and Matthews. But you could parlay those three together, those three superstars. That'd be a decent little payout for you. So good luck. Uh, thanks to Neil. N.A. Parker 77 does some fantastic work. Uh, a great follow on Twitter if you are a Pucks fan. And uh, we'll get him on again uh, in the near future. And Matty Best as well. Thanks, guys. This has been a blast. This is the last show, Matt. Just going to do some solo stuff and maybe a preview. Uh, I think for like us on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, this is our last one of the regular season. That'll be like we tape in the morning for a live amount of time. But uh, Meany's going to have some, he's going to have a show for you on Friday for the single game slate. Some picks, some bets there, uh, DraftKings, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, Matt and DJ are going to be doing it on Tuesdays and Thursdays still. Griff on Saturdays as well. But we'll have content for you in the playoffs. Just stay locked in here at the Mayo Media Network. As always, Mayo will take care of you. Neil, always a pleasure, man. Thanks, buddy, uh, for taking the time today. Uh, Good luck today with some of your picks. Enjoy the hockey. And you guys as well. Thanks for taking the time to hang out. The boys will be back tomorrow, and we'll be back on Friday to do a little single action between the Jets and the Leafs. Have a good one. Cheers. Thanks, Meanie.